HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can't help but smile today. Yes. It is actually spring. It is like almost 80 degrees out. I would say summer. <clears throat> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. No, I would say <laughs> even more apropos to have you here with this cookbook on a day like this in the studio today, Yvette Von Boven. If you don't know her work, homemade cookbooks, they're just wonderful pieces of art. Thank and you. Her husband and collaborator, luckily, is in studio too. Oh, Yes, that's me. Hi. Excellent. But what is the actual name? It's it's actually Oliver, but I couldn't pronounce it when I was uh, really young, so my mom sort of thought it was cute that I called myself Ovi, so she kept it going, and then uh, nobody knows my name different than that. <laughs> that's, that's it, but it turns out a little bit awkward sometimes in English-speaking countries. Yeah. But uh, I'll fit the profile, though, because <laughs> yeah. it works. <laughs> You, you could have made a whole different profile of yourself. We're on air. No one can I see know, it. I know. That's, that's my lucky break today. Yeah. He's blonde and skinny. Yeah, yeah. skinny and Scandinavian <laughs> and the Dutch. So, the Dutch, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Yeah. People think those are three different places. Can you explain where you're from and what that land is like? Uh, the Dutch, the Netherlands, yeah, and we also have Holland. Um, uh, well, I'm from Amsterdam, so that's uh, in uh, a, a, a country called uh, Holland, and that is in the Netherlands, which is quite complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Holland is like uh, like New Jersey or Mich- uh, you know, like like uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's, a, it's a province. It's a province, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's two. You got the north and the south. Holland. And together with uh, 
nine other provinces they formed the Netherlands. Yeah, gotcha. I just want to I just want to talk maybe about those preconceptions about life and about food there mm-hmm. because you know aside from Gouda and like Edam cheeses. That is the limit of that's you know it. my culture. That's, no, that's, that's it. That's everything. You don't know about pea soup. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've, I've seen the pea soup, but I don't know about the pea soup. Well, we don't have a very, very you know. Del- uh, well, it is nice, but it's a very basic kitchen. The Dutch kitchen is so uh, because uh, I think the Dutch are from a f- not a very luxurious point of view, so they would cook things with potatoes and sausage and. F- fat you know to get the workers going on the country in the countryside and also uh, they like pancakes sweet things like waffles and poffertjes which are very small pancakes like small like that size so pretty much brunch all day no, I wouldn't say that. I would like like potato. Think potato mash and and ca- kale and carrots, things like that. Very yeah. peasantly, f- humble food. So I mean, you you were actually born in Amsterdam, but lived in Dublin nope. in Ireland. No, born in Dublin. Gotcha. Yeah. So and lots I of was raised there. Yeah, and we moved back to Holland when I was ten years old, and then I spent a lot. Well. A big part of my life there. So what was your culinary heritage? Did you try to bring the Irish with you or did you find a new once you moved to Amsterdam? I think I found a new. Um, my parents are from the south of Holland, very, very deep south. So that's almost Belgium. So that's a bit, little bit different from the north part of Holland. Um, they would eat more like the French do with courses and more luxurious kind of uh, way of eating. So that's the first the first part of my life they would make always have a starter always have a main dish always have dessert for lunch and dinner and um growing up in ireland there was not um a lot of food or it was a very poor time it was about 60s 70s so everybody made everything themselves so i think that's my homemade background (laughs) we had to make everything ourselves not only you know food but also dresses or um, when I wanted to have toys, my mum would say, well, here's a piece of wood. You have to carve it yourself. <laughs> but that was nice. Well, we, we learned a lot about yeah. that from well, that. Oliver, and I'm going to call you Oliver. That's, that's <laughs> um, were you crafty like that? Did you grow up in Amsterdam? No, 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 I grew up in The Hague, which is a little bit further south in, uh, in Holland. Uh, I was brought up in a hippie commune, so I had two dads and three moms, and we were all sort of a crafty bunch as well, so that yeah. helped. Yeah, it's just pretty much the same kind of upbringing. I yeah. Think. yeah, I mean, was that not there in Amsterdam? Were, were, were there shops that people went to and purchased their larder, purchased their sausages, and brought it home? Was it a society that didn't know how to make a lot of the things that? What do you think in Amsterdam? Yeah, I I, sh- I actually wouldn't know. I mean, I didn't grow up grow yeah. up there. <laughs> uh, I think it would be uh, uh, the shops had more stuff than we had in Ireland. Because when we went back on the holidays, we went back, not to Amsterdam, but to the south. I remember that the shops were stocked better than than what I knew. Yeah. So you were a crafty person. What did you go to school for? What did you do for work? Was it always focused around something that was homemade? Um, Well, uh, yeah, I went to uh, School of the Arts in uh, in Belgium first, in Antwerp. And then I went to The Hague. That's where... Of grew up and where I got to, to meet him. Um, we went to the same school of the arts, um, and I studied uh, interior architecture there. 
So I started off as an interior architect and I worked in kitchens always on the side, you know, to earn some extra money. So, yeah, it's a very different <laughs> different start of life. Yeah, but it, it's a very similar mindset as far as structure goes. Um, I think the arts get this this bad rap for being liberal arts or something that's creative without any kind of structure. And there is a lot of structure in the There arts. is, of course there is, yeah. And uh, Oliver, uh, <laughs> did you study photography? Yes, I did, at the uh, Royal Academy of Arts in The Hague. And... Um, which takes you four years, and I did an internship, and then sort of the classic way it's supposed to go, uh, an assistant, and then I started out for myself. Yeah, yeah, classic over there. Here, everybody gets out of school. And yeah, but it, um, I've been around for quite a bit, and I started out in the time when there was no digital photography, so it was actually a, a sort of a craft. Yeah. And, uh, well, um, you had to learn something before you just got, get a camera and get an image anyway so yeah no i just like hearing the word craft because <laughs> everything that you do today is is craft is you know not just homemade it's not just you know this simple merriment thing even though there's a lot of happiness and joy behind it it takes some skill and what these cookbooks provide are those skills um when you left art school what, yeah. were you pursuing art still or did you have this idea of a restaurant of food of no 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 not at all I, I i started off as a designer i had my own uh, uh, uh designing uh, office with my sister who was a graphic designer at that point and uh, we worked together um uh for about five years yeah i think mm-hmm. so and then Ove, uh, uh or Oliver <laughs> introduced me into the photography wor- uh, world a little bit, and uh, through him uh, he asked me, you know, you can you can pr- cook this. Could you, you know, I I never knew uh, uh, that there was a job like food styling or something. I I did not know about that. So when I got to know that, I, was, I thought, well, this is you know everything I like. It's like it's it's about cooking, but it's also composition, making a composition in in in, uh, uh, in as a picture but also on a plate thinking about colors and 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 things like that so that was an interesting thing and i got to do that more and more also on the side of designing as an interior architect so, so. were there other cookbooks that you looked at and were, were inspired by or was it all dutch masters like vermeer and rembrandt <laughs> well both both yeah. because the lighting of, of of vermeer and rembrandt for instance are is very interesting it's really beautiful but um Yes, there are many cookbooks I've been looking at and wondering, you know, wondering like, oh, one day I would love to make a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk but about it, those Dutch masters again, because you bring up the point of, you know, it being such beautiful light. Yeah. But it was also natural light. Yeah. You know, uh, um, Daylight. Yeah. And, and it was natural food, too. I mean, you, you talk about like Dutch alcove paintings. It was always the freshest, most, you know, beautiful uh, Oysters and, and stone Fish fruits and and, and, and and lemons yeah and they all have meaning I I, I uh, I'm uh, I'm sorry I cannot tell you what it meant I remember that if there was if there's a lemon yeah, in it a, like a fish is a symbol for something yeah Probably it has to make with I religion know, death yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and lemons as well and, yeah and uh, things like that they skulls. all have a, they all have meaning yeah when they're put into a, a still life yeah I mean do they have significance in a still life on a plate in a food photograph though too uh, or are they just shapes and colors to you in food photography i think it's more shapes and colors yeah, yeah. but spiritually uh, i'm assuming lemons and you know 
fresh seafood means something. There's an attachment there. Um, there's lots of oysters. I see them on your menu. I yes. see herring, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How did you grow up with these things? Did your parents bring them into your house? Your many parents bring them into your house. <laughs> well, uh, her- herring is such a typical Dutch uh, thing to eat that everybody eats it. Yeah. I mean, your parents will make you eat them until you like them. And then, <laughs> but they're good. They're really, they're yeah. really, really good. And it's fresh herring. It's not. Uh, no, it's, pickled. it's pickled. It's it's brined. Gotcha. Yeah. And what what are some of the classic dishes or preparations of that herring, or is it just you would straight eat it brine? raw? And then mostly you accompany uh, it with uh, either diced onions and and pickled uh, gherkins. Yeah. So let's talk about the spread that's on the table with those herring. What else accompanies? Uh, as a very Dutch point of view, gosh. What would we say? Is it Heineken? Is there Heineken <laughs> all over the place? <laughs> yes, yeah. there is definitely beer and Geneva. Yeah. And Geneva. Yes. Uh, it's only hitting the States in the past few years. Can you is tell it? me what it is? Yeah. Well, it's 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 a bit like you have old and young Geneva. Yeah, so, young Geneva, which is y- young Geneva, uh, uh, is, is a bit like vodka, I could say. Hmm? Yeah. And old one is more yellowy and it would be more like cognac would be yeah. like. But it has a uh, what the flavor of juniper, right? Yes. So yes, it's yeah. kind of like gin almost. It's it's. I think it's actually the it the, the same, the same word. Yeah. Geneva and gin. I mean, it's it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, but I would say more vodka kind of taste. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. more neutral. Yeah. yeah. And and the more the older it gets and the more uh, uh, tint it's got, the, the the darker it gets, it gets more flavor as well. Yeah. Yeah. The deeper flavor, not yeah. So drinking's big over there. You enjoy uh, a little as sip big as in the states. I guess. Yeah, 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 we're doing our best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I've had a sips of Beringberg. Beringberg, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a bitter, right? Yeah, um, it's a herby herby drink. Yeah, that's yeah. more like Jägermeister kind. Yeah, of. <laughs> but you should not have too much of no, that. No. You will be going <laughs> a very wrong way. But is it is it like uh, shots? Is it like skull, and then you take one down? It's uh, yeah, it's like a shot. Yeah. yeah. And, and the proper way to drink Yenever, actually, is uh, they have these glasses which are, like, curved like a, uh, how would I say, like a woman's body, you know, uh, with a, uh, how would you say the that? Curves. Yeah, yeah. The curves. Yeah, curves, yeah. yeah. It's a very small little <laughs> shot glass. And you would leave it on the, on the, uh, on the, um, the counter, on the counter, and the barman would pour it in, and it should be poured up to the end of the glass and it would have a little of a little bit of a top you would not lift it because you can't you will spill it so you have to slurp it from, yeah uh standing up like, like what, that. what do you uh how do you say little headbutt because you're supposed to like oh, oh yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah yeah that's a that's a shot of geneva, uh, geneva with a beer yeah with a heineken yeah. oh gotcha you would have a shot of that and then throw yeah a just beer just it. yeah See, I may have had a couple too many little headbutts to yeah, not realize <laughs> that I was having beer chasers with it as well. But uh, there's so much fun, you know, cultural ways of enjoying uh, a of lot course. of Dutch food. And how have you translated that into, and how do you say your cafe's name? And the Amstel. And the Amstel actually means at the Amstel River. Because in Amsterdam you have all these canals where we are very famous about. But there's one of them, which looks like a canal, is actually a river. And that is called the Amstel River. And that's where the uh, the city has started its first start. The, the beginning of the... Well, the it was the dam. It was the dam on the Amstel. Yeah. So that's where yeah. Amsterdam, the, the name of Amsterdam comes from. Yeah. 
So at this, at this river, we have our restaurant. So that's the actual name. Oh, very cool. Yeah. But we have, uh, I wouldn't say, we have very local um, ingredients. We use very local ingredients, like I do in my book also. Very, you know, fresh produce. But I wouldn't say it's a very Dutch cuisine. Yeah. No, I like that there are outside <laughs> influences, you know, and with your travels, and we'll talk about, you know, uh, being in France and Provence in a little bit, um, you know, you see Alsatian Flammenkuchen, you know, you yes. see, uh, you know, well, steak tartare, which I think can be applied to a lot of places yeah. in the world, but you're not afraid to uh, travel with your cuisine. No, not at all, but it's also, we are in Europe, and um, we're very close to all these countries where all this gorgeous food comes from and we we get to travel quite easily so yeah you pick up you pick up ideas from other countries and also from other cookbooks or from other chefs or from watching other shows or reading about things or inventing your own uh, recipes just because you've tried something first like if you have have had a, a regular steak tartare you know it's really good and then you try and think, like, how can we do this, but then it's going to be better or different. So that's how these things start off. Yeah. See, now now I'm wanting steak tartare. Yeah. Even though this pizza is <laughs> in front of me, I want steak tartare yeah, as well. Yeah, you should try it. We, we do it with a chopped oyster through it. It's, Ooh, really, it's very is, nice. Well, we're going to take a quick little break and then come back and talk about homemade, the cookbooks. Okay. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a member-supported nonprofit organization. If you like what you're listening to, go to our website and click that donate button. Become a member and get special discounts, invites, VIP treatment, t-shirts, and more. Support us in our mission to bring you the freshest food content in the nation. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I actually hope you listened to that little commercial drop before because we are a nonprofit and we are sponsored by our listeners and you know which is uh, nice yeah and and you know whatever you can give whatever you can do spread the word um because i think we're doing a cool thing here in the 
backyard of Roberta's Pizza into stevedore <laughs> ship containers, and yeah, that really cool studio. Oh, great can view. attest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like inside the fishbowl. <laughs> yeah. So what's awesome is mm-hmm. that if you have a hankering for steak tartare and oysters, you can have them both in one dish. Yes, you can. Can you tell me where this was concepted from? Because this is just pure genius. Oh, do you think so? I, well, I think. <laughs> but we're always looking for substitutes. Um, like, uh, if you, you you can use salt in your steak tartare, for instance, or mustard, but you could use an oyster too because an oyster is also salt. So, so these are things that just come up. You know, we were discussing menus like, and then everybody would say, "Oh, we should do it with that." And, oh, we should do it with that, and then try it out, and then just see how it works. So yeah. that's a bit of the main idea. How. How we get there. So, I mean, you talked about local, organic. Uh, you care about the quality of the products that you bring yes, in the restaurant, much, too. Yeah. And you keep a pretty small menu. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's it, for a, a special reason. Yeah. Um, uh, because we don't want to waste uh, things too much. And we also want to have the possibility of changing the menu whenever we want to. And we work with uh, very small producers within the boundary of Amsterdam actually and uh, they could call us and say well next week we have this finished or that's growing really fast and maybe we could, you could put on the menu so we can add that to the menu and the menus are always very short in, in, in writing so we can be free and add things at the same night and people would tell you at their table like it uh, uh, just says veal chops, but we serve it today with, I don't know, curly kale or cavolo nero and butter beans and whatever. Yeah. So that can change. So we, we want the freedom to change uh, whatever is available. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there must be some standards, too. You can't take the steak tartare off the menu or people we do. riot. Oh, you do. <laughs> we just <And> did. <laughs> then you just have Ove standing outside saying, no, 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 no riot. Good thing still on the menu. No, it might come back again. Well, you have to change a little bit because otherwise... Um, we have a lot of people coming back, uh, so it's nice for them to have something different. Yeah. And also the chefs have to be, you know, interested in what they're doing. So it's also nice to keep them busy and trying new things. And no, we make another exciting dish, so that yeah. could be nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, a very similar ideology to how you guys produce these cookbooks. Um, homemade, when did it start and why did it start? Why was a cookbook necessary? Um, well, it it wasn't necessary, of course, but I, I just wanted to do it because I loved re- reading cookbooks myself. And we would often I would spend, you know, mornings in bed with piles of books and just looking at pictures and reading recipes and uh, reading styles of writing. And um, I, it was just a, a big wish. I, I had never imagined it to be <laughs> so, such a great uh, uh, adventure as, as it has been I just made it for myself actually like a sort of diary and um, I was very happy we were just you know we we just said well if we just you know if it just gets we just get the book published that will be great so in Holland that is yeah. So yeah. we're pinching ourselves now because it's getting a little bit out of hand <laughs> which is good yeah it has been translated in so many languages. It was really incredible. Yeah. And when you first produced the cookbook, was it just sold in the shop? Was it a small run? Was it... It was... It was No, the, the, our Dutch publisher was uh, pretty enthusiastic about it. So for Dutch standards, I don't know the exact uh, figures, but yeah, the first one was, was pretty uh, big, big for a cookbook. For yeah. a Dutch cookbook, just for the Dutch market. We were uh, very proud of it. Yeah, we were uh, very nervous that <laughs> yeah. we sell. That we won't be in the in the outlet after three weeks yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah. All these big piles of cheap books. Yeah. But it, that turned out fine. So yeah. 
I, in Holland, we're in the sixth or seventh printing. I'm not sure, but well, yeah, yeah. yeah so and I mean, well. we we didn't get the English version until uh, a year 2011 yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a year after every, all the books come out. A year after, and I think when it came here and I first saw the cookbook, um, I almost scolded you. I said, "Damn you for doing <laughs> something I wanted to do." <laughs> and yeah. by that, I didn't mean the topic, but having some kind of personal documentary of you know your life related to food in such a you gorgeous. Should do it. Why don't you do what? it? Keep on telling me that. Yes, I need yes, that. I need that fire. Fun for one. Yeah. Every book is different. Everyone, everybody's approach is different. Yeah. So. But I mean, your your approach is so personal and so joyful and around you know great food and great people and great events. <laughs> um, how how did you put bookends to this? How did you say the first book will just be homemade? The second book will be winter. The third book will be summer. Um, well, I never thought of winter and summer at first. So uh, I think um, I could could have gone on making homemade. I, I, my, my publisher just said, you need to stop now. <laughs> uh, we have so many pages. And then uh, we got some more pages even because we had, uh, we had at the beginning when you make a book, they calculate how many pages you're allowed to make for the price is going to be and blah, blah, blah. So these are all technical details, but they are important, of course. So, And then I had too many pages, so I begged my publisher for more pages and he squeezed them in. He said, okay, but that is about it. And uh, when I finished um, Homemade, I had so much left. So that's how, uh, because, yes, that's how summer and winter. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you are. And I want to talk about summer right now in this beautiful 80-degree day. Yeah. Because I am craving a Negroni fig pop. Yeah, that's uh, good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That looks good. That will work, though. <laughs> yeah. It will actually work on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a nice because it's always bad. When you make uh, uh, ice cream uh, with alcohol and sugar, it's always very hard to get you know the measurements right. And it's that, that, that it will actually freeze up. But that it that just fits. Yeah. Yeah. So it works. Again, that word celebration comes to my mind because this feels like something where you're like, yes, I have a Negroni fig pop and you <laughs> brandish it around and you eat it, you know, running in a field or by a, you know, beautiful vista. Um, and most of the food feels like that to me, that there's a celebration not only of the ingredients, but of the people you're with. Uh, so let's go to Provence. Yes. Because uh, some of this book is based there uh, in orchard yeah. outside near Avignon. Yeah, um, right. Is that where your family goes where you uh, you know just hang out or is there a special event uh, Oliver I think should that's tell mine yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver should tell this story <laughs> no my um, somewhere in the 60s uh, the parents of my dad's best friend by accident uh, came across these uh, this this French family on a on a holiday bicycle trip and they asked the, the, the family if they could stay in their orchard for put up their tent and stay overnight and uh, that was okay by them. And then so they met and they returned the next year. And uh, these people from The Hague have been going there for four generations now. And we were sort of, the, this, these were friends of my parents. So I got there the first time when I was one or two. And uh, we kept going there on holidays. And I introduced Yvette and they totally fell in love with her and the other way around. So we go there almost every year, twice a year. Yvette's been working there for... Uh, over a month last uh, this this spring yeah to do some real work and uh it's it's a very wonderful and special friendship we have with the, the french family there yeah and it's, yeah. it's so cool to go there and it's this is old george 
This is uh, old George's brother, uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, and his brother, and then they have cousins who are more our, our age, yeah. also living there where we, we are staying. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they they teach us a lot of things because they have a very traditional way of life, and uh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, because we don't have these same traditions, so it's always nice to learn about other well, other people's traditions. Like you were asking me about the herring and the berenberg. It's also that's what I'm asking when I'm down yeah. there. Um, they give, they make all their liquors themselves. They make, you know, they have special celebrational cakes or um, dishes, and uh, so I'm always writing everything down. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about those liquors because there's a beautiful little passage about following old George around uh, yeah. when he's putting the bottles on the trees. Yes. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's so awesome. exciting. Yeah. So when they, they have this big orchard, right? And it's with apples and pears. So uh, they uh, actual, actually, you know, tie uh, bottles with a bit of a, a big opening around uh, blossoming flowers, hoping that a pear will grow into it instead of, uh, uh, of it um, growing by itself. It should grow into the bottle. So the bottles are actually... Uh, tied up upside down upside to, keep, down. to keep the rain out yeah to keep the rain out and then the the, the blossom has to turn into a pear or yeah. fruit. and and i don't know one in every five works and the <laughs> other all rot and die but yeah yeah so they've got a, a small personal stash for them to keep them going through the winter and then in spring they start all over again yeah and they make i don't know 10 20 bottles a year it's really yeah. small yeah it's very interesting. I, I I never saw it before, but I did wonder. I I, I bet you ever you you've seen a bottle with a pear in it, and always been wondering how did they get the pear? Well, they do it like that. Yeah, and it's and then they pour in I don't know alcohol and stuff, and they mix it, and then they leave it to macerate for about a year or something, and then they pop it open, and you get really drunk. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, very strong. Yeah, I mean, visually in my head that you know seems so amazing and luckily you're a wonderful illustrator as well <laughs> um and what's great about the books too is that you not only see how personal the food is but uh, that there's that personal touch of your illustrations mm-hmm. um and i'm so glad you didn't lose that you know that you didn't leave art school or leave design behind to pursue this that you incorporated both things um how do you classify your drawings? I mean, wh- oh, I, I wouldn't say I'm a very good illustrator. I just more, I, I think I, I just scribble things down, actually. Um, I, um, yeah, well, you know, I actually made drawings uh, because I sometimes don't want to write everything down. Sometimes it's quicker to draw it. You yeah. Know, just you, you, you can say, you can draw an arrow and say, okay, put this bottle into that pot. You don't have to make the whole sentence. So yeah. it's actually. Uh, I use drawings also to be shorter, quicker, like a sort of lazy thing. <laughs> no, it really is, and um, uh, and 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 I, I try to be as personal as possible because it's the only way I would know how to uh, write because it's um, out of a sort of personal. F- this is my personal story. I, I wouldn't know how to write it otherwise. Yeah. Oh, do you feel like that's the same way you approach photography? Um, for the cookbooks, yeah. I do other stuff as well, but that's much more sort of um, uh, staged and directed. It's lots of commercial work for ad agencies and, and, and uh, fashion magazines. But for the books, we, we try to keep it as simple as, as the recipes are. And also, uh, the outcome of the picture should be sort of approachable for... Uh, when, you, when you cook the recipe, it should look like the picture. On the picture. Yeah. On, on your plate. It yeah. should be sort of... The, um, it can <coughs> can be a little bit of a downer if you see this beautiful, beautiful picture, which is 
perfectly lit and then you try your best in, in making the recipe and then the the recipe turns out the plate turns out completely different than the picture and that's a bit of a drag i guess yeah so we try to keep it simple a lot of daylight a lot of just ambient light that's around and then just try to cook it neatly and then take a nice picture of it and, and show the atmosphere of, of the the atmosphere of the evening or the oh it certainly shows that there's a lot of atmosphere and fun <laughs> happening thank you um your home is a mess <laughs> i'm sorry but it's like it's but, half kitchen half studio and yeah. it's well, I mean, I think that's what I pictured a little bit because the props are so wonderful. And I wouldn't even call them props because they're yours. They're just ours. Yeah. yeah you we know? have a lot of plates. Yeah. <laughs> but when you cook at home, when you entertain, is it a big table? Is it lots of people over? Is yeah. it just you two? No, no, no. It gets out of Both. hand often. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It gets out of hand a lot, yeah. But it's also just to Good us. fun. Yeah. yeah. We cook a lot together and enjoy it. And we always sit down at table and pour in a glass of wine and enjoy our dinners together too yeah i mean if there's a takeaway from this book would it be to enjoy what you're doing not just with food but in life i would say that yeah, yeah. definitely and if you were to cook a meal for a vet what would it be in a vet for Oaf? i Ooh. would do uh i would do a, a, a chopped salad too i know she loves that I would do it for me. I would be a, a big hunk of meat and I'd like a guy's dinner. But if I would cook for Yvette for her because she's nice, <laughs> I would do a sort of a chopped salad. Just because something. I'm nice. Yeah. No, it's a little grains in them and, and uh, fresh fresh herbs. You will love that. Yeah. I would make and I'll put some mayo pork. on it. And, um, oh, pulled pork. Oh, yeah. I would make him pulled pork. And is it pulled pork? Is it like barbecue? Is it like Texas style? Where where does that influence come in? I think it is an American influence, yeah. actually. Definitely, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I put it in my winter book. I tried to make, I tried to put in that smoky flavor. So I, I experimented at home. And uh, I know that pulled pork, we tried it once to make it, you know, for a 16-hour barbecue drive-in. I was really... We took turns and, 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 and at the barbecue all, uh, all night. But um, I make it in five hours in my smoker oven. Yeah. In the oven. And that works really fine. And it still, still uh, stays juicy, and uh, but also the smoky flavor. Yeah. And I would rub it in first. Yeah. So I could not mention dessert. I mean, we have all these wonderful <laughs> proteins. Yeah. But my favorite part of your menu, aside from this now knowing what's chopped into the steak tartare. Mm-hmm. Are, you know, the, the canales, the clairs, yeah. uh, coffee and chocolate. Um, how important is a sweet ending? Well, <laughs> I'm... Uh, 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 Sorry. <laughs> I said sweet. I, I yeah. Got you there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm very fond of cake and pie and th- things like that. So you would always... You can easily... Um, uh, seduce me with a big piece of cake at the end of yeah. the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky it's radio. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that wonderful finish, uh, yeah. there are so many, and I didn't mean finishes in the country, um, <laughs> there are so many amazing dishes that, you know, you not only make at your restaurant, but that are are Dutch, that, that do inspire you. But you must also have your favorite food word. Um, what what kind of food words uh, do you just think are just hysterical or, or really prophetic? Oh, gosh. And it can be in any language. I am just thinking right now. Um, a food word. Give me an example. What would, what would be your... Uh, Pasta? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I well, mean, that's the funny thing. Where, whereas I see a word like bitterballen or stroopwafel, I'm like, oh, those are great. Do you see a word like pasta and be like, oh, that's a hilarious or that's a wonderful word? No, oh. I, I actually just had a mong, mong chung mong chung. fish. Yeah. That was a word. I, I, had, I had to practice a few times. Mong chung fish. Is that, 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 that's the first thing that pops in my mind. I just had it here at, the, at Roberta's. Yeah. And and they did a, they did a really tonato, but then a sort of a pork, not tonato, but mong chung nato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. That it was was a wonderful nice. dish. Yeah. Very, very nice. And, I mean, I'm assuming from this meal that you had here, there are takeaways, there are ideas stirring in your head. Well, uh, it, uh, actually, the, the, that, that dish was something we would, could have done, too. Like, I like the fact that some things really work, like uh, a fitella tonato works, and then you, dis, you, know, you take this as a sort of beginning, and then you just change it slightly with different ingredients, and it becomes a different dish altogether. So that's, that's inspiring, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about the next season. After summer is? After summer is a big... Uh, <laughs> I, w- I was going to say a break, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. I wish it was. No, it's not. No. Um, I do a lot of other things, too. I work as a culinary editor. Um, I write for magazines and newspapers in Holland. And um, I'm working on a new book, which uh, I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> that's fine. We'll have you back on. Yeah, because like we, ha- we still have a year to finish yeah. it. So I... We'll just see which way it goes. Uh, I was privy to Food and Wines. I think it's the May article yeah. where uh, you talked about art. And being that this is a show about art, artisans, mm-hmm. um, I want to know how big an influence art is in your life still um, and to food in Amsterdam. Uh, the two museums that just recently opened up are. You're so up to date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try. Uh, yeah, well, we're very happy that they opened up again. Uh, of course, if, if you read the, the, the piece, I was also talking about the fact that because the art museums in Amsterdam were closed and, they, and we're talking about the Rijksmuseum, which is the big classical museum, you know, for the Rembrandts are and, you know, the, all the older uh, works and the Stedelijk Museum, which is uh, the Museum of Modern Art, which was for a lot of people in Amsterdam very, you know, annoying that everything was closed for about 10 years or something, really yeah. a long time. And um, uh, so, but, but what was good, what came from that is that, you know, people started to uh, open up, like pop-up gal- galleries and, you know, because you still want to go somewhere. And even the Stedelijk Museum had its own sort of pop-up museum in, in, in buildings that were going to be torn down just for a year or two years, which was actually quite refreshing. Yeah. So there's always, there always comes something, always, something always comes from out of a sort of necessity or something. It always brings out something new, which is actually quite nice. Yeah. yeah. So what are those n- other new things happening in uh know in in amsterdam right now being a culinary you know editor and writer (laughs) what are you seeking out what's exciting to you i find the fact that um uh the uh there is a sort of whole new movement in amsterdam going on right now you could i think here in in uh, brooklyn it, it would be more like how people are, how restaurants are uh, here and for us it is quite new so uh, I think you will be less surprised than we are but um, uh, uh, you know real f- f- organic food growing uh, them right on this uh, on the spot like here and Roberta's is a 
great example. Uh, th- that are things that are happening in our country right now too. Um, a lot of uh, you know urban farming and things like that are happening. Um, a lot of things that are you know uh, um, just e- quite edgy. You know, you're not really sure if it's allowed or not, and they have to, you know, bend the rules a bit. So I like that. I like that. Yeah. Like we had um, a big smoker oven in front of our restaurant for a little while, and we were just stretching it just as long, <laughs> 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 just waiting for the police to come one day. They came. Yeah. So we had to. Uh, uh, yours is now. Um, yours is my cousin who also uh, is uh, owner of the restaurant, and he has put the smoker oven on his roof. So he's not annoying any people. <laughs> so he has to, once a day, he brings the car down to his house, brings the fish in, smokes the fish, and then brings it back to the restaurant because we're not allowed to smoke yeah. it in front of the house. Oh, that's part of the charm. Oh, well. I want to end one, with one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, Sinterklaas. And we won't go into the whole, like, who had Santa first debate. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah. My friend uh, used to get a big chocolate letter, or got yes. it like one year. Yeah. Uh, is it when you're really young, you get? You still do you, it. It's, it's tradition. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it it comes with Santa Claus. Yeah, um, it's just uh, one of your initials, and then in a big chunk of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's cool. It's it's nice chocolate. It's it's just a nice what tradition. You do. Yeah, yeah. It's what yeah. Uh, kids are allowed to set their shoe at the at the at the stove. This is, this is what I was going to ask. Yeah. Is yeah. this then, true? Yeah, yes, yeah. It's that's true. That what you do. Yeah. I like your parents make you believe that he really exists. So yeah, it's to, like Santa. To keep you down he and does. to be yeah. a good boy. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> Santa will take you back to Spain and smack you. Yeah, around. smack you around. You said back to Spain. <laughs> yeah, he, he comes yeah. from Spain. Santa Claus lives in Spain. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> and he comes uh, by boat every year to celebrate his birthday with all the kids and all the good kids get presents and all the bad kids get to be put in a sack and brought back to Spain yeah. never to return again interesting so you were always a very as a kid you would always obey when it's yeah, when he's in the country oh. yeah. Yeah. Unless you're so scared <laughs> yeah. unless you want to go to Spain yeah, there so, you go. Uh, <laughs> by yourself yeah. when you're five years yeah. old. <laughs> but can you tell me about this shoe? This is this is the most fascinating part. What do you it, put in it? Uh, you put a carrot in it, or sugar cubes, or hay for uh, Amerigo, his horse. He comes and on the horse. And basically, your dad takes out the carrot, puts a <laughs> present in there, or a chocolate letter, and you're a happy camper the next morning. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like filling stockings. Yeah, it? it's the exact same thing. Yeah. In my head, conceptually, there's a dish there, though, with hay, with carrots, with sugar cubes. Have you ever taken these traditions and then put them back into your restaurant? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I have never done that before. We should Caramelized do that. carrots smoked in hay. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you that's go. wonderful stuff. Yeah. Wow, we should do that. <laughs> Thank s- you for the idea. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And I will <laughs> and see you December 5th, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, this has been wonderful. I, can't, I cannot wait until the next edition. I know I have to wait a year, but year. we'll have you back on. Yeah, I'm on. sorry. <laughs> We'd that is fine. Great. I'll make my way to Amsterdam and I'll see you by that edge of the canal. Um, Great. Do so. Great. You'll be more than welcome. Excellent. Your vet, Hof, thank you again. You've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. Hope to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.